Great. Well, it's really good to be back. Love to go away, but I love to come home. Nice to be back in church and uh, with the church family and um, just uh, really excited. Always good. So uh, we're in this series, uh, Parental Guidance, and um, that we've been talking over the last few weeks, looking at some teaching really from Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, just really kind of like one of those amazing passages uh, that we, you know, need to read and allow to uh, kind of filter into our lives and into our hearts. Um, And maybe I just want to read a couple of verses from there this morning. Just as we start, just to remind us of some of the stuff that we've been looking at. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. How many of us want to say amen? I'll take a bit of that. Uh, long life, peace and prosperity. Yeah, we'll, we'll have that, won't we? And um, uh, let love and faithfulness never leave you, but bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Amen. And uh, I think last week um, Jay was preaching on that passage of uh, scripture, I think. Um, uh, but I think uh, I, I want to jump, jump into these very familiar verses today. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Who, who's got this as a baptism verse? Anybody in the house? Oh yeah, just a few of us. You know, it's one of those very familiar verses that we give a baptism because it's such an inclusive scripture about how we live our lives. And I just want to try and um, unpack a little bit about it today. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 in the New Living Translation just puts it slightly different. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Amazing that, that God actually wants to be involved in the choices and decisions of our lives. You see, because life is full of decisions, isn't it? Life is full of choices. Some of them aren't that complicated, although Starbucks gets increasingly complicated, if you ask me. You know, you don't know whether it has to be skinny, fat, whatever it is. You know, I just go and say, can I have a fat latte, please? And, uh, you know, because there's so many other things. Do you want this, that? I, I don't know what I want. Sometimes I just go, can I just have a glass of water, please? Because choices can be overwhelming, can't they? I remember once shopping in, in Stoke-on-Trent, and I was uh, just going to do my shopping. I was a single bloke at the time, and I saw this little old lady standing in front of the biscuit counter, just looking at the million packets of biscuits, going, I don't know what kind of biscuits to buy. I say, you're in luck. I'm an expert. Um, Let's go from there. And she was just so overwhelmed by the choices she had to make. And I'm just saying, it doesn't really matter. They all pretty much taste the same anyway. Just shove them in. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but you know, choices, you know, some of them are not very significant. Some of them don't matter too much. Um, Life is full of a million small choices that we have to make. However, there are some important ones that can affect our lives. There There are some choices that we make that have consequences that can bring either blessing or difficulty into the lives that we make. There are choices that we make that can lead us away from the purpose and plan of God or lead us towards the purpose and plan of God. And so Solomon writing uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of God, says to his readers, listen, I want you to understand that to make choices, to take the right path in life, you have to work out what God wants you to do. You have to take responsibility for that. See, sometimes everybody wants people to tell them what God wants. But here's the truth. God wants you to listen for yourself. 
It's much better to know what God wants for yourself than to have to be told by somebody else. You know, we have sometimes those guys come in who, you know, look as if they're much more spiritual than us and who just float in. And we say, I wonder if they're going to have a word for me. You know, and my word usually is, uh, yeah, pray more, speak the Bible, read it, and make a decision. You know, because actually that's, you know, the, you know, we all want divine direction, but actually divine direction really is a confirmation to us about what God is already saying to us. And so we need to understand how God wants to speak into our life. So we need to have some answers. What, what shall I study in my life? What career shall I pursue? Should I take out this loan? Should I marry that person? How will I behave in my relationships with other people? These decisions matter, and Solomon wants to equip you to make good decisions and choices in life that lead you on the right path. Have you ever taken the wrong path? Have you ever gone past the, uh, have you ever gone past the motorway exit thinking, I should have taken that exit? And you know there's another 40 miles up the motorway before you can turn around and come back again. See, that's what happens. You take the wrong path, and you know that you can't just go back and start again. Sometimes it's going to take a big detour to get back to where you should be. And so we need to make these decisions a bit more effectively, and we need to make them a bit more insightfully. Poor decisions affect our lives. Do you want an example? The average UK household debt without a mortgage in the UK is £15,000. The average. Because credit is a decision that lots of people make, you know, and we're encouraged to do it, and it seems like the easy response to a difficult situation, but actually it brings problems. And so Solomon would say, hey, you see, because the Bible's very practical. You know, not all decisions are incredibly, I was going to say incredibly spiritual. They are, actually, because life is spiritual. Well, I've got to say, they don't all have the same consequences to life, and they don't seem uh, sometimes important. But actually, sometimes we can ignore the advice of the Bible about all these situations that we choose to, to act in when actually God has something to say about them. So when of you know, when you fill in a loan application online, that's actually a spiritual decision. Because how you can afford that loan will affect how you live as a Christian. Amen, Dave. Great point. Glad you brought that up. And so I want to talk a little bit practically today about what it means to make good choices that lead to a right path. Because we all want to take a right path, don't we? You see, um, if we choose the wrong way, then it will bring consequences in our lives. If you cheat, you eventually get found out. If you lie, someone will eventually discover the truth. Anybody been there? Just me. If you don't pay your taxes, the tax man will find you sooner or later. How many of you know that? See, 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 we have to understand. And we make these decisions for uh, convenience sake or for ease in a situation. But actually, it's the wrong decision. And it leads us into trouble. Listen, this is what God said to uh, um, Abel, Cain, no Cain, in, in the Bible. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That is an amazing verse, folks. Because what it says is that sin seeks to dominate our lives. And by extension, it seeks to dominate our choices. And it says, it's desires to have you. I mean, that is ownership. Sin, don't make no mistake, friends, sin wants to own your life and your thinking and your investments and your actions. It wants to own you. It's crouching at your door and it says this, you must master it. If you don't decide to deal with it, then actually it doesn't get dealt with. And so you need to recognize, hey, if I'm going to deal with this problem, I've got to face it. I, I, you know, we always want everybody else to fix things now, don't we? You ever noticed? I've created the problem. Can someone else fix it, please? 
And the biblical answer is, is, is this. You ready? No. No, it's really hard, isn't it? See, God will take away and forgive the sin of your iniquity, and he'll take it away. Jesus has taken away on the cross, and he's opened a way to life. But if you make a stupid decision, you're still going to pay for that. So this is an important deal that, that, that Solomon is trying to say. Parental guidance, you try and teach your children to make good decisions, don't you? Try and take them away. So, so what does Solomon say to us? I just have uh, three things to, to try and help us with this morning. Firstly, don't think you know it all. Don't think you know it all. Now, I'm, I know that most people here would not think they know it all until someone else uh, has some other wisdom to offer. <laughs> Have you ever thought to yourself, they're stupid they are. They haven't got the insight that I have. You see, we think we know it all. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit in us that wants to be independent and to know it all. And so therefore, it says we, we want to make the good decisions ourselves. We want to be able to be in control. We want to be independent. We want to be in that place where we can just do what we want to do. But actually, we have to decide that actually we don't know everything. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not depend on your own understanding. See, we can all make a lot of mistakes simply because we are unwilling to ask for help. Anybody pay the price for that? And there's this non-teachable spirit in us. This, you know, no, I understand it's good to be, you know, it's good to be self-reliant to a degree. It's good to be independent. It's good to be able to make up your own mind on things. You know, these are all things that our culture, actually, we say we love that. But actually, our mind is made up on most things by what we read and hear in the media. Hello. So actually, we've got to decide, actually, well, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to involve other people in my life and in the situations and choices of my life. You see, when self-reliance stops us being willing to involve others in important decisions in our life, it's become a weakness, not a strength. Can I say that again? Because I think some of you need to hear it. When self-reliance stops you from inviting other people to help in the major decisions of your life, it's become a weakness and not a strength. Because it's now separating you from what uh, the, the, it's, it's now causing you to lean solely on your own understanding and not take hold of what other people have to say. You see, you can learn a lot from other people. Solomon is one of the wisest people in history, and he advises you to ask for help. That's amazing, isn't it? He, he advises you not to think that you know it all. I'm 53 years old. I know that I only look 35 or something like that. Sometimes people laugh a bit loud, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Uh, but I, I've had to learn to be teachable. I've had to learn the amazing fact that my children can teach me some things. Who would have thought? I've had to learn that my parents can teach me some things. I've had to learn even that my congregation can teach me some things. I, I have to learn that I, I don't know it all. I'm not, I'm not in charge. I, I, I don't have the, the, the complete understanding. And so I need other people to help me. You see, that's a challenge to the modern mindset because we think we know everything. And if we don't know it, Google does. But can I say there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom? Google can give you knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily give you wisdom. You know, we all do that, don't we? Self-diagnose. Oh, I've got a spot on my show. Oh, what does Google say? Before long, you've all got a deadly disease you're all going to die of by the end of the week. You go to the doctor and he says, yeah, take some cream. You'll be all right. Because... The, the knowledge doesn't replace the wisdom of experience. And so we need to understand if we're going to make good decisions in life, actually, we have to 
get wisdom. We have to get understanding from other people. We need not to lean on our own wisdom, on our own understanding, because firstly, our own understanding is limited. Even the cleverest person can benefit from other people's wisdom. Now, you see, we all believe that, but do we live like that? Are you willing to be led? Are you willing to have other people speak into your life? Are you willing to be teachable in, in the situations of your life? See, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, plans fail for lack of counsel. In other words, too many people decide, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. You know, that, that song, the most, one of the most played songs at funerals, by the way, I did it my way. I think, isn't that bizarre? Actually, when, when your coffin's at the front of the room, you want to sing, I did it my way. I'm going to just pretend that actually I was in control of everything. Now, if you've picked that for your funeral, bless you, you enjoy it, I don't mind. We'll play it. But I'm just thinking, surely it's better to say, actually, I learned from other people who knew a better way than me. I mean, it's not such a snappy song title, but it'll do. I'll write the lyrics for next week. We'll sing it during worship. See, it's, it's, it's a spirit. It's an attitude that goes deep within us, isn't it? See, sometimes we just think, oh, and we've got to be realistic. Our own understanding is limited. It's limited to the situations that, are, uh, that, that, that we've experienced, the, the learning that we've had. And so it, it's just foolishness to think that nobody else can have a better opinion. But so often people live with an unwillingness to ask somebody else for help. Let me give you an example. Before we had Satnav, we used to ask for directions. Anybody remember? Did you ever ask someone for directions and then totally ignore what they said? Because you drove off going, they don't know what they're talking about. I remember being in London, asked somebody directions. They got in there. I drove off thinking, you're an idiot. I mean, they'd only lived in London for 20 years. What would they know? I felt they were going in the wrong direction. See, that's, that's our own, our limited experience. And so often, friends, we, we, we adopt this position in, in our lives and in our circumstances. Secondly, our own understanding is shaped by our own experiences. Can I just say that our experiences of life and our experiences of other people create a filter which affect our understanding? That's why you need somebody else's experience, because they haven't, they haven't gone through the same little filter that you have. So you're going to come at something and be very negative about it because of something that happened. Other people can come and be positive about it because they haven't been through it. That's why you need somebody else. Because if you're only making the choices out of your own understanding, it's going to be limited to the filter of your life. And some of our filters are a little bit mucky. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of our filters are negative. Some of our figures are, are corrupt. Some of our filters are choosing the wrong path rather than the right path. And if we're not careful, if we lean only on our own understanding, we're making decisions based out of our own negative viewpoints rather than faith-filled viewpoints that God has given us so that other people are able to speak to us. Sometimes you just need to ask somebody else's opinion so you get a smile because you're like your head's in the shed. That's one of Julia's sayings. Your head's in the shed, you're going, whoa, what's going on? And you just need somebody else to say, hey, it's going to be okay. So I want to say to you today, listen, this is totally biblical about making choices in life. Don't think that you know it all. The Bible says the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
See, we need to understand that if we choose our friends, and here's the deal, friend. You know, sometimes we, we, we act in church life that, that everything's equal. And, you know, it's a little, little bit like uh, cosmic communism. Everything's equal and we all just are happy together and we all are the same. Friends, that's not true. Listen, we build friendships with people who actually are valuable in our lives. So that means we're not friends with everybody at the same level. I mean, I've been through this before, but we, we all are attracted to different kinds of people. And therefore, you're going to have relationships with a small group of people who really are going to speak into your life and who you can be very comfortable with. But then you're going to have a wider circle of people who become your social grouping. And in that group, there's going to be people who have wisdom for your life and you need to involve them. You need to say, hey, I need a bit of help here. And it could be that you know specialists then who have a bit of help. You know, we all love a doctor when we've got something wrong with our back. Oh, I know you're a doctor. We just mind uh, looking. See, it's, it's about that. But we've got to build those relationships because the truth is we don't just earn these friendships and these people in our lives. We have to build them. See, when we're passive about making choices and making friends, it leads to bad decisions. Hello. See, some of us have made bad decisions in life simply because we've isolated ourselves from everybody else. And we're competitive with people. We think, oh, look at those people. They don't have my problems. They don't have that. What would they know about it? And we make ourselves make bad decisions simply because we're leaning on our own understanding. Look at the person next to you. I'm talking to them today, not you. It's the person next to you. Our own understanding is affected. And so we have to become people who are teachable. People who are being teachable. Have you ever sat in a meeting? Honestly, friends, I've done it. I've sat in a meeting or in a lecture or something, and the guy's speaking, and I'm not willing to hear what he has to say. Why? Because I haven't got a teachable heart. You know, I'm a pastor of a church of, you know, I've been a pastor 25 years. Sometimes I go to conferences, and I'm there. I'm there in my head, but not in my heart. So I'm listening, and I instantly decide, I'm not going to listen to this bloke. He's irritating me. Some of you are doing that this morning. That's fine. (laughs) That's okay. You know, it's all about being family. We just, you know, it's like that, isn't it? But I realize that I make the most progress when I actually say, okay, it's not about who this guy is. It's about what he can impart to me. Am I willing to listen to what he has? Am I willing to be teachable to what he has to say? Am I willing? See, See, anybody can teach you something if you're willing to learn. But if you go around thinking that you know more than everybody, you're never going to be taught by anyone. Because they've all got to compete with your great academic position that you have in your own head. But what that makes is you unwilling to, to learn. And it makes you dry up inside. Because your wisdom comes down to your own understanding. See, being teachable means we should be allowing the Word of God to breathe life in us. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Your attitude to the Word will often reflect your attitude to learning. Hey, when was the last time that somebody preached a message and you were cut to the heart about the message and then you did something about it? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because here's the deal. It's not enough just to say there's somebody else's experience. You have to listen to what their experience is. If the Bible says something into your life, you have to do something with it. Remember, James talks about the one who hears and does what the Bible says. Otherwise, it's like looking in the mirror and going away and forgetting. Do you know what, friends? Can I dare suggest that we have lots of Christians who do that every Sunday? No amens to that, is there? People who come and they look at the Word and they go, oh, great preaching, or great, isn't it wonderful? But then they walk out and they forget to apply what they've heard. Because you know why? It's because they're not teachable. See, there is a difference between being giving assent to something and being taught by it. 
You know, many people come and read the Bible and we give assent to it. Yes, we know that that's the right way. Yes, we know that's what God says. But actually, how does that teach you in your life? See, that's what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about following Jesus and walking like him. It's not about assenting to what he says. He, even the devil thinks Jesus is an amazing person. He knows he's the son of God. And so we have to say, you know what? I will not lean on my own understanding. That's the path of discipleship right there. I will not rely on everything I know, but I'll be open to something that God wants to teach me and birth in my life. Second one, be willing to accept God's ways. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Here's the deal. You've got to be willing to be taught a different way and then to walk in it. See, again, this is major, isn't it? I'm going to walk in God's ways. I'm going to walk after him. Be willing to change your ways. This is the fundamental challenge of discipleship. I will just submit to the ways of God in my life, even though they invade my life at every level. See, see, Christianity is not just about um, worshiping uh, in song. It's about worshiping in life. It's about becoming obedient to the call of Christ in our lives and in our circumstances. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. In other ways, God says, I've got a different path for you to walk on there. See, that's the starting place for all of us as Christians. But it's not just the starting place, it's the everyday place that we have to be in. Am I going to walk in the ways of God today? Am I going to walk in the ways of Jesus today? Am I going to do what he calls me to do? Am I going to have that sensitivity that I'm going to be willing not to lean on my own understanding about what I should do, but I'm going to lean on his understanding and follow his ways? Listen to this. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Wow, that's an amazing verse right there. Proverbs 9, I think, 9 verse 6. Walk in the way of insight. I ask you today, are you walking in the way of insight? As it becomes something in your head, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God's ways. What does that mean for us? How, how does it change our lives? How, how does it work? You see, it sounds easy. I'm going to walk in the way of insight. But what does that mean? Can I just give you a few it means that we have to walk differently in our sexual behavior. That actually how we behave and what we allow into our lives in terms of our sexual behavior has to change because we're walking in the way of insight, not in our own way. Amen, Dave. Great point. See, it's true, isn't it? See, see there's a difference between giving assent to God's ways and friends, you know what? There's a challenge today in the world against God's ways in sexual behavior. There is. It's massive. The whole world. Now, listen, I don't blame the world. I'm not, the world doesn't want to live according to the ways of God. That's fine. They don't have to. Let's not spend our lives vilifying the world for not living according to God because they never claim to. But let's be honest. If the church is going to follow his ways, we then have to take his way seriously. That's the challenge to us. <laughs> I love it when you have to preach like this as a pastor. Do you know what I mean? My kids say to me, you never mentioned sex in church anyway, Dad. What are you talking about? So they're not even in today. But when you see them afterwards, say, he talked about sex today. <laughs> see, our sexual behavior changes it. You know, God, God actually calls us to be sexually faithful in marriage. 
Hello. That's what he calls us to be. So therefore, it affects our attitudes. See, we can't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And then go, well, I can live sexually how I please. That's not compatible with Christian life. Hey, it's one of those ways we've got to walk in. It's tough. It's difficult. We've got to, tr- we've got to deal with it. We've got to work it out. We've got to change the way we use our money. Amen. Sex and money. Come on, everybody's excited today, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? See, because the Bible teaches us about how we use our money. But if there's one area that actually suffers in the Christian faith, with many Christians, the last thing to get saved is their wallet. Because actually changing how we use our money is a difficult thing. Now, I'm not going to rant on about that today. That's next week's sermon. Um, (laughs) But I want to say to you, you know, when you follow Christ, actually, how you behave, if you're going to walk in the ways of God, it affects how you Use your finance. We're going to look at it next week. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Hey, there's an honoring of God that has to come through our finance. And, and, and we can say, well, you know, I love Jesus and I love all of that, but just I don't want to bring my life under that Old Testament law. Friends, this isn't Old Testament law. This is a principle for you to have peace, prosperity, and a long life. I'm actually dealing with my finances. I'm, I'm bringing it under the principles of God. It, it talks about our attitudes. Walking in his ways le- means learning to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Man, that's a challenge, isn't it? Or just me again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness. I'm going to produce them in my life. See, that's following the ways of God. To follow the ways of God, I've got to be so connected to him that actually that his spirit starts to bring a different response out of my life rather than just my own. See, it's, it's easy to say, well, I believe in the fruit of the spirit. It's hard to live in the fruit of the spirit. Don't you think? It's easy to say, well, you know, we're love and peace and patience. Isn't that beautiful? But patience is hard when you're standing in the checkout. You know, I was in the Philippines, funny story. I was in the Philippines, and I was getting a bottle of water. That was it. I was in this big supermarket, bottle of water, you know, 20 pesos or something. And there was a little lady in front of me, and she was there. She was doing a shopping with a fella, and, um, and she needed discount. Because she was a senior citizen, she gets discount. You know what? It took 25 minutes to get discount in this store. I'm sitting there for one bottle. She had signed five bits of paper. You know, somebody had to come, lights went on, lights went off, and she just stood there, bold as brass. And I'm thinking, in the UK now, we'd have killed her and buried her in a dark grave. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we would have done, wouldn't we? Because none of us could quite make it. 25 minutes for a bottle of water. I'm ready to go to war. (laughs) Kindness, patience, gentleness, self-control. You know, and, the, and the, here's the truth, friends. You won't be honest. Is it, I didn't have anything else to do. So I stood there patiently with my bottle of water. In the UK, I might have been going, I'm not having this water. You can keep it. I'm off. Why? Because somewhere in our hearts, it's easier to assent to the ways of God than it is to live in the ways of God. Therefore, we have to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to be serious. Uh, Using our authority, using the positions that were given in a Christ-like way. Jesus said, whoever comes after me will be a servant of all. See, some of us, we like our titles and we like people to think we're important. But actually, we're called to be servants. We're not just called to be servants in church. Hello. We're called to be servants in the office, at home, in the social club, wherever we are. Servants of all. 
Because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so therefore, if we're going to follow his ways, then actually when you go to work tomorrow, one of the questions you need to ask the Lord is, how can I serve my colleagues today? There's a different approach, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. So your own understanding says, hey, I'm in charge. They're going to do it my way. God's understanding says, is, come, up, come among you as one who comes to serve. He's trying to be willing to help rather than be responded to. See, the Bible says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And so if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to recognize that we have to accept his paths. And then finally, we need to understand that trust is a heart issue, not a head issue. I think this is really important. Trust is a heart issue, not a head issue. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with all your understanding. It says don't lean on your own understanding. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, there's a difference. If we think we can only trust God because of what we understand about him, then actually our understanding is always going to be very limited. Because our understanding of God is about this big. See, what you know about God is about that big, and that's only because he's told you about himself. If you can imagine God fills this whole room, this is the space that represents him. I'm telling you, friends, you know that. So if you think you can understand God to trust him, you're wrong. What you have to say is, I've got to know God, therefore I can trust him. See, trust is a heart thing. Trust is, you know what? Jesus has come into my life and he's cleansed me and he's changed me. He's put hope within me. He's answered my prayers. He's listened to me. He's led me. He's provided for me. My heart sings to him and it brings trust And so even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will trust him because actually this isn't about where I am. This is about who he is. It's a heart issue. And so Solomon says to us, listen, if you're going to have trust in God, it's got to flow from a heart that responds to him. It's got to flow from a revelation of who he is. That's why we need to get a, read his word and get a revelation of who he is. That's why we need to listen. That's why we need to be open to the spirit. That's why we need to be worshiping because those things make us sensitive to who God is and we understand more about him. And the more we understand something about him, the easier it is to trust him. But if it's all about, well, I don't understand what God's doing, so I can't trust him. That's right the problem there, because it's not about what you understand. It's about whether your heart connects with God. And there will always be situations in your life that will make you feel, hey, I, I, God, I want to trust you, but I can't. But that doesn't show anything about him, or it just shows that you don't know him enough. I'm not saying that's easy, friends. I'm not saying that's, oh, we can all just turn that on. But, but I, what I've come to know is that I need to trust God in spite of my situation, not because of it. Everything's going well, so I'll trust God. God's answering my prayers. I'll trust him. God's given me the job that I want. He's given me the delight of my heart, so I'm going to trust him. Oh, yeah, but what about when God puts you in the boat in the storm and the waves are crashing over you? I'm going to, still going to trust him. What about when the prayers don't get answered? What about when the answer is no? See, I think we've forgotten in the church that one of the answers to prayer that God gives is no. Job says, even though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. Because he understood that actually God's heart is good towards him. His heart leans towards him. 
We do have reasons to trust the Lord. I'm not saying there aren't any. You know, we have our testimony and our experience. We have answers to prayer. We have the solidity of what his word teaches us about him. We have those, but on their own, they're not enough. There has to be a change in our heart. Listen to David as he chose to trust God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies who will, fo- who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Friends, he's having a bad week, isn't he? I mean, most of us, it's like we've got to understand trusting God is not about the situation. He's going to war. An army are opposing him. Wicked people seek to kill him. And yet he says, in the midst of all this, I'm going to trust God. He's my light and my salvation. He understands. I'm not going to trust him because I understand what's going on, because I don't. I'm going to trust him because I believe that in spite of what's going on, he can bring me through to victory. He can bring me through in his purpose. He experienced just about every range of emotion, victory, despair, answered prayer, grief, sorrow, loss, worship, confession. Through all those things, he chose to trust God. There was an amazing story when David had numbered the fighting men. He had sinned against God because God had told him not to. And uh, it's an amazing thing. God had told him not to do it, but he did it because he was lacking faith. And he numbered the fighting men and God sent a prophet who came to him and said, you have three choices. You have sinned greatly against the Lord. You have three choices. You can have three years of famine in the land or you can have three months of your enemies overtaking you or you can have three days of a plague coming upon the land, of the Lord sending a plague. And David's response is very telling. He says this, I am in deep distress, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great. He says, you know what? These three choices absolutely suck. But I'm going to pick the one that's God dealing with me because I know he's merciful. That's something, isn't it? Can you imagine if God sent you a prophet today to say to you, you've sinned against the Lord. Here are your three options. Financial ruin. People gossiping about you. Or the Lord punishing you. Well, we'd have a problem with that, wouldn't we? Elders would be going, that's not a word from the Lord. That's not a word from the Lord. It's in the Bible. And David says, I, let us fall into the hands of the Lord. Hey, you know what, people? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Listen, when you fall into situations that seem out of control, you need to say, Lord, I know I'm in your hands still. I'm in your hands, Lord, and I'll trust in you and what you want to do. Bam, please come back. We're going to close. Parental guidance for our lives. Don't think you know it all. Be teachable, people. Next time you find yourself shutting down, becoming unwilling to learn, just recognize actually this scripture. Don't lean on your own understanding so much. Be open to learn from other people and other circumstances. Accept God's ways. Be willing to walk after him, even though that will be different to the people around you. And understand that trust comes from the heart. It's about responding to the Lord in your inner being. We're going to come and sing just a moment, but I just want us to close our eyes now. I just want to pray this morning a couple of things. Firstly, just believe there's maybe somebody here today you're struggling to accept God's ways in your life. You love Jesus, you're drawn to him, you know that God's called you to follow him, but it's a challenge to accept his ways. It brings you into a different path to the one you've been walking on. It's unavoidable because Jesus called us to take up our cross and follow him. 
So therefore, it will lead you away from some stuff as well as into some stuff. You're struggling to accept his ways. Just before we close this morning, I just want to pray for you. So if that's you, I just want you to stand where you are. I'm not going to drag it out. I'm not going to bring it out the front. But if that's you, I just believe. Just stand where you are and say, God, I want to accept this. Lord, I know I need to change this. It's a safe place. Father, I just pray over my brothers and sisters here. Lord, we're here because we love you, Lord. We're not here because we're religious, Lord. We've got better things to do on a Sunday morning. Lord, we're here because we're drawn to your son, Jesus Christ, and his saving grace. And we're here because we want to trust in the Lord and surrender our ways to him. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, as they just stand today, just an acknowledgement, Lord, that this is an issue, Father. There's a decision to make. There's a, there's a path to walk here. I just pray, Lord, for strength to walk the path that you call us on. I pray for strength for each one of them, Lord. Lord, whether they're walking away from something or walking towards something, I pray, Lord, you would strengthen them today and they would walk, Lord, in the freedom of being people who know, Lord, that it's your way and it leads to life. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Keep our heads bowed just for a moment. You know, we're here this morning because we believe in the gospel of Jesus. And so every week we just want to give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. And I'm just going to put the four points up on the uh, screen. message that we preach is this, that God loves you, has a plan for your life, that he cares for you, that he's made you and created you. You're a unique being. You're not the result of some chance or some accident, but that God has created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves you. But that sin has made a separation between you and him. The stuff that we do that we know is not right in ourselves, never mind before God, and it's separated you from God. And so therefore, instead of knowing his love and walking with him, God seems a fearful or a distant or even a fanciful figure. That sin has broken your relationship. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross to make a way for every man and woman who are alive to come to faith. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, the message of the gospel is that you can come and have life. You can come and reconnect with the love of a heavenly father today. But it's your choice. Just now, the Bible calls it the day of salvation, that you're able to be saved today. You're able to find life in Jesus' name. And so before we come and sing our final song and close our service, I just want to see, is there anybody in the hall today who's saying, Dave, I, I want to come to Jesus today. I want to get my life right with God you're in that place I just want you to slip up your hand today before we close I'm going to pray for you is there anybody in the building I'm just looking around in the balcony thank you thank you for standing bless you Father I just thank you Lord that people Lord are drawn to you I thank you Lord that it's good news Lord Jesus thank you it's a message of life and salvation Lord, it's not about us, Lord, it's about you, the living God who loves us and gave himself for us. So I pray for those who've responded this morning to the gospel, to this good news of Jesus. I pray today that Holy Spirit, you would come and that they would know, Lord, in every fiber of their being that you love them and that, Lord, you made a way for them to know you again. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and live in them and teach them to know and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've made that decision, please come.